Welcome to Improv for the Podcast. On this week's episode, we'll hear from Naveen, who will tell us all about his improvisational journey. We'll play a couple games and most importantly, learn how he improved his life. Let's hit it. Welcome to Improv for the Podcast. I am your host, Michael Lee Evans. And today we are joined by the incredibly talented, amazing Dr. Naveen. Naveen, thank you so much for joining us this evening. How are you doing today? I'm doing lovely. It's great to be here, Michael. Amazing, amazing. Well, I'm really glad to have you on. I'm really excited to sit down, chat, get to know a little more about you. Uh, so for our listeners at home, uh, could you just give us a brief explanation of your kind of relationship to IFTP? How long you've been involved? If you've done classes here? Absolutely. I've been with IFTP since September, I want to say. Okay, nice. And I knew I wanted to get back into improv when I moved to Los Angeles in July. And it looked like a really good fit. And uh, I've been doing classes with Jamie and Matt since then. I've really enjoyed it. Hmm. And I really enjoyed the friendship and just, it really feels like a family here. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you've done maybe a little bit of the Monday night classes, um, Wednesday night that's awesome. Cause I think one thing that's really unique about IFTP and that I've always enjoyed is the different teachers that are here and how you can get those different slices of improv. So I appreciate that you've already explored. You're like, I'm gonna try on Monday. I'm gonna try on Wednesday, right? Get those different tastes. Absolutely. And I love Jamie's class. It's just yeah. with my schedule, Wednesday night was the most reliable that I wouldn't be yeah, late or that I wouldn't miss it. So yeah, definitely. Jamie, he's definitely throwing shade at you, just so you know. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah, I can never throw shade at a wear mouse. Oh, to, oh, the wear rat. Yeah, yeah I think. Uh, yeah, sorry, wear rat. Apologies, Jamie. <laughs> I, I hope your indigestion from eating so many pieces of paper last uh, night has passed, much like the pieces of paper. Now, do you think he he actually swallowed those pieces? Right. You know, there was a hot debate. I, I didn't get to ask after after the after the show and mm. a lot of us were on kind of either sides and you know, you know, I, I believe that Jamie swallowed the paper. I, you heard it here first. I think I'm with you. Yeah. I think I'm with you. I'll, I'll back you up on that. Yeah. Uh, so listeners for a little bit of context, there was a show last night at uh, improv for the people an improvised dungeons and dragons, fantasy style improv show. And uh, a friend of the show, Jamie Parkinen came on and uh, during the performance last night, he ate two pieces of paper. I think it was more than that. Possibly more. Yeah, Sometimes you're right. they're on the floor and it, it, oh, it was yeah. a wonderful gag. I was I was in a lot of pain laughing. Yeah, that was I mean, I do hope he's okay. I mean, paper cut to the throat our, our that prayers, our prayers are with you, Jamie. Yeah, yeah. Jamie, uh take it easy today. Stick to a uh, regular food. So yeah, start start with liquids, work your way to like, you know, mm. gentle solids and then, you know, mm. hopefully it'll pass. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good plan. That's, Thank my, you, that's free medical advice for you, Jamie. Okay. Ooh, write that down. Right there, write that right down, there, Jamie. Yep. All right. Uh, if Jamie doesn't have insurance, will that, is that okay? Well, you know, uh, in this great country, if you don't have insurance, then you're kind of screwed. Oh. Yeah, you know, but. Got him there. Got him there. All right. I don't know if uh, Kaiser covers wear rats. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll find the best DVM, a doctor of veterinary medicine that money mm. can buy. Oh, true, 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 true. We'll take out a collections plate next Monday. Yeah. Go find me. Oh, man. It's a little, getting a little too real now. All right, Naveed. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit more about your improv journey, but before we do, we, of course, as always, need to play a couple of rounds of three things because here on Improv for the Podcast, we want a little, we want to learn a little bit more about you. So uh, I'm guessing, have you played three things before, Naveen? I've not. All right. So how this game basically works is that uh, I'm going to list a category and you're going to name three things from that category. 
Good. And then we'll move on to the next one. And uh, these categories uh, are related to you or what I could find about you on the internet, which uh, is my favorite thing. I think maybe I should be a detective. I might look into that, but after the podcast. All right. So we're going to go ahead and play. Uh, these are three things. Types of surgery. Orthopedic. One. Urology. Two. General surgery. Three. These are three things. These are three things. Names for cats. Ooh, Darth Vader. One. Yoda. Two. Whiskers. Three. The, these, these are, are three, three things. things. They're catching on there. Last one. Things that are bigger in Texas. Yeah, things are about in Texas. Uh, governor. One. <laughs> Borders. Two. Steaks. Three. These, These are, are three, three things. things. All right. Well done. Well done, Naveen. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So that first category, types of surgery. Why did I ask you about types of surgery, Naveen? Well, because I'm an orthopedic surgeon, I believe. All right. So you might know a thing or two. Yeah. I believe. Yeah, I believe. <laughs> so you might know a thing or two about a few types of surgery. Right. Is there a... Uh, from your medical perspective, is there one surgery you would like, it could be any surgery that you would just be like, nah, I don't want to do that. Like too, too crazy or too difficult. Yeah, what would it be? absolutely. Um, there is a surgery that, you know, where when a child has a bad tumor in their mm. leg and they switch and they, they take out the tumor and to give, to give them kind of like a functional knee joint, they'll take the ankle and attach to the knee it's a bizarre, but it actually wow. is kind of cool. It kind of huh. works. Yeah. But like, I, I think that just hurts my brain too much. I kind of yeah. think like I'm Sid from Toy Story. Yeah. Yeah. Like, with all it of just it. seems like, how is this possible? I mean, it, it works and all that stuff, but it's just one thing that's like, no, that's, yeah. that, that yeah. puts me into like playing God category. I don't know. That's yeah, not kind of like me. rearranging the body, but it works. Yeah. Well, that's incredible. Oh my gosh. I mean, it just goes to show like the incredible like skill and, like research within the medical field that we're able to do that. Follow-up question. Um, if I've played the game Operation, how uh, realistic is that? Oh, it's absolutely realistic. Okay, good. Having good, those good. steady hands and not shaking left and right. And if you do shake, you just have to kind of watch your shake so that it kind of, you time it and you move you your can, body and yeah, you move the operation table with it. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, wow, good to know. All right, so next time I have a family game night, Look out. Just just throw Uncle Joe <laughs> on the table. You're set. <laughs> so I'm prepared. All right. Thank you, Naveen. All right. That second category, names for cats. Why'd I ask you about names for cats, Naveen? Because I have two lovely house cats. Two lovely cats that you do. I've yeah. seen a few photos. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And their names are Darth Vader and Yoda, right? They are Darth Vader and Yoda. <sighs> That's, uh, classic Star Wars. You know, none of that new stuff. Like, mm. I'm into that. I'm into that. Are you, so you're a big Star Wars fan? I am a large Star Wars fan. That is certain. All right, all right. What's your favorite movie? Definitely uh, Return of the Jedi. Oh, I agree. I agree. That's my favorite one. With one caveat. Okay. Empire's got just with the Yoda scenes. I mean, mm. I could watch those on repeat. If That's true. That's true. I, uh, yeah, because Yoda's not really, well, he's kind of down and out in Return of the Jedi, and then he's out. So, yeah, he, he really shines in Empire. So I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But uh, did you think, like, when you watched Empire, Yoda was a little annoying at first? <laughs> Like when you first see it, he's just taking Luke's stuff and like, totally. Oh my gosh. That's what I love about him though. He's, yeah. he's so like annoying, giddy and crazy, but he's also the great Jedi master that mm. Luke needs. And Luke imagines some like gigantic, like muscles upon muscles, yeah. like yeah. Jedi. This is what I'm imagining. What Luke imagines of course, about what Yoda's yeah. going to be. And then he turns out to be this small, like kind of giggly green guy, punch drunk green guy. Mm. And I think that's telling yeah. and an excellent, beautiful 
artistic choice. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it was like the expectations that you have, like you're misjudging people. Yeah, because mm-hmm. you're like, oh man, if Yoda fought you, Luke, you'd get destroyed. <laughs> like judge me by my size, do you? And yeah. Luke's like trying to bring that X-wing that's like ten thousand pounds up from the swamp, and he's just like, I can't do it. Yeah, and Yoda, Yoda one hands like, it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, look, let me show you how it's done, kid. Whoop. Okay. Okay. You got me there. You got me there. Okay. Uh, last category, things that are bigger in Texas. Why'd I ask you about Texas? Cause I am from uh, the great country of Texas. Uh, uh, unfortunately. Uh, no, uh, no, I love Texas. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. like a bittersweet relationship because of I'm course. From the cities of true. Texas. Yeah. The cities of Texas are about as progressive as the cities everywhere else. Yeah. I mean, Austin, I'm a big Austin fan. Mm-hmm. I've been to Houston. Yeah. A time in those places. Oh, absolutely. So yeah, definitely uh, any kind of like, oh, Texas or oh, Florida, like that kind of sentiment. I feel it yeah. twice as much. Yeah. And I think Texas is one of those states where there's a, a huge contrast. I think like you mentioned between the cities and then the rest of the state, which kind of creates this internal tension, I think. Yeah. And it's, it's an interesting thing. Yeah. It's very interesting. No. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I have a lot of family like from Texas. So while not from there myself, very involved in Texas things. <laughs> so I get you there. Yeah. I, I love Austin. I love that place. So yeah. Oh, yeah, Austin's beautiful great city. city. I lived there for yeah. six years. I oh, love it man. to death. It is a wonderful city. All right. Do you have a favorite breakfast taco spot in Austin? Oh yeah. There's two. El Chilito okay. and Taco Deli. Those two are my favorite. Ben a Taco Deli. Yeah. Ben a Taco Deli. I'm, I'm more of a Torchy's guy. Yeah. Some people are like that. Yeah. yeah, that's me. They're wrong, but it's okay. All right, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. I like Taco Deli too, and I haven't tried uh, El Chilito, you said? Yeah, El Chilito. It's not okay. a chain. There's just like one of them. Oh, Austin. so it's probably better than anything because Pretty it's good. not a chain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, good to know. Well, next time I'm there, I'll have to I'll have to look for it because I feel like Torchies is probably like the touristy place to go. It's you know? okay. It just seems like there's just so much... They put so many things there, tacos, like carrots that's and yeah, radish, and they're like, well... Did you worry about how it tasted or just you want to put like really <laughs> cool looking ingredients on your menu? Yeah. They're like, ah, yeah. If we just put all these things in there, people won't even notice. Yeah, like, oh, my eyes hurt. And so now I don't know how I taste it. It yeah. must taste good. <laughs> it's very colorful. That yeah. means it's, it's good, right? <laughs> I think that's a good point. There's a beauty in simplicity, especially with breakfast food and like yes. breakfast tacos. I mean, you've done damage to yourself the day before and you've, You've risen to fight another day. Yeah. And for God's most important meal, just <laughs> keep it to the basics. Yeah. When you break your fast, you know, you got to get that good stuff. Those eggs, bacon, cheese, like whatever it is, sausage. Ooh, chorizo. Ooh. We all intermittent fast. So, you know, we should really. It's <laughs> true. Every, <laughs> every single person. Yeah. We've all been doing it our whole lives. Yeah. That's why scientists like, oh, you intermittent fast. That's the breakthrough to being healthy. And- yeah sexy to any gender and all genders like yeah. is it it's like I'm, i've been doing that in a way like, <laughs> that's a really good point yeah. it's just like doing it longer i guess that's really all it is just tacking on a few hours huh i'm gonna think about that i'm gonna be laying there tonight and I'm like if i don't sleep will i fast and then <laughs> that's gonna be the question i ask myself <laughs> all right david uh well thank you for uh, sharing on that um and sharing your breakfast taco perspective now, I, I need to buy a ticket and head out there to Austin <laughs> and find the true, the true best breakfast taco. But before I think about food too much, we got to get into improv because I want to hear your story, your experience and your journey uh, with improv in your life thus far. So Naveen, can you tell me the first time you ever heard about um, or just heard the word or were exposed to improv whenever that was for you? Absolutely. It was in high school. Mm. Did some theater, some plays and I, the plays are okay. Um, 
I guess I never gravitated as much to like the plays where you had to memorize a line and yeah. try to create something new and some new energy to it every time. And of course, like that's like the pinnacle of like our, of our theatrical history. Sure, sure. People playing great plays, Shakespeare, you name it, a, a different actor giving a different life to the theater. And I yeah. love Shakespeare. I love all that. But it just, for me, it wasn't, it would never really had that. I could never really get that to something. Mm. And mm. then we started doing improv and it started bypassing this part of my brain where I even had to consider that. I had mm. to consider these are the lines that I memorized and I have to apply like an emotion, a character, a motive to the lines that I'm given. Mm. And somehow when I bypassed that, it was just a lot easier for me. Mm. And so my theater teacher in high school, he also, there's a lot of really interesting philosophical questions that really gripped me and kind of connected with my tradition as a Hindu hmm. that resonated, especially like with group mind. Yeah. We play this exercise, like this warm up exercise where, uh, and a lot of things to this effect, like one where you're all walking in a circle where your eyes close and one person stops, everyone has to stop. Mm. Uh, another one where like two people are, their eyes are closed. It's bizarre, but it's, it's, it's like, it's poignant. Uh, two people are, sorry, I beg your grass. Two people are all, like, are crawling on the ground. Then everyone else makes kind of like four corners for them for like wow. a box. Yeah. And then one person's chasing the other person. Mm. And both eyes are closed. And typically the person who hides, like if they're just, if they can calm their mind completely, mm. it, it's fascinating. The other person will not find them. Wow. Even if like they do like line by line, try to find the person when they go close to that person who's completely stilled their mind, they'll like turn around and just like wow. ignore them. And so there's this unique power of group mind just mm. fascinated me because there's a lot about that in Hinduism as well. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then it kind of can carried on to my college years too. Okay. That's incredible. I, I want to see this exercise in action. Cause I, yeah. Cause I think just watching that, like being one of those four corners kind of creating that barrier and then you're just there observing like, these two people, eyes closed, trying to find, well, one's hiding, one's finding the other. Ah, that's, that's fascinating. I, I've never done an exercise quite like that. I think, yeah, group mind is, a, is an incredible thing, like seeing it in action, because it's, it's so hard to explain. Like, but once you see it, you're like, how are they so in sync like that? It's, there's nothing really like it. So I'm with you there. That's just something about improv that I don't think you see captured often in other like forms of theater, like a Shakespeare play. You know, there's not... I don't really feel like there's an opportunity for group mind in the same way because it's already built. You're just adding life to it. Right. But improv, it's, you're building it from the ground up. Oh, so I love that. Cause gosh, yeah. Group mind. I, I need there to be like studies on group mind. I mean, there probably are, there, but yeah. And, and I wrote about that a little bit in college. Oh too. my gosh. Really? Yeah. So in college I kept doing a theater classes. I did some improv classes mm. and, and this is where it's going to get a little bit, we're taking a little bit of tangent. We're coming right back to no. I'm here for mind. tangents. So let's I, hit it. <laughs> I wrote my my undergraduate thesis on Hinduism and professional basketball. I saw that on your LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping it would come up. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So no, then this is how it kind of goes back to improv. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, a little bit of backstory is important. Their coach Phil Jackson. Everyone in Los Angeles knows mm -hmm, who Phil Jackson mm -hmm, is. Of he, course, for those who didn't, you know one five, I think championships with here in Los Angeles yeah. and then another six in uh, with Chicago Bulls. But when he started, he was a little radical. So mm. Michael Jordan, everyone knows him. He was 27 going on 28. He had not won a championship yet. Yeah. And the coach who was going to coach him was named Doug Collins. And they had a nickname for him as play a day, Doug Collins, because mm. he would try to like map out every single little thing you would do on the court. Wow. Um, and he would have like a thousand plays and 
Michael Jordan turns 27, turns 28, he still has won a championship and they fire him and they hire Phil Jackson. Hmm. And Phil Jackson has like a really hot take on like how to coach. And his is like improv. It's the triangle mm. offense. It's basically a glorified improv offense, which mm. is absolutely radical, bizarre. And everyone thought he'd fail because yeah. you have five players who've been the best players on all their college teams. They were the best players on their high school team. They're the best players on their JV. So like you have a selection process where every single one of them wants to be the star have the ball in their hands. So yeah. you can imagine you say improv, it's going to be an utter disaster. There's only one ball. Exactly. And yeah. so how did he make that work? How did he make that work to the tune of 11 championships? Yeah. Well, sure. summary was improv, but you know, like, but the essence of it was he taught them meditation, yoga. Mm. He did native American traditions, like about being with the group mind. Wow. And a lot of that kind of, a lot of that I used to explain with Hinduism, but what was so fascinating was to find the tools to explain how this improvised offense worked, I leaned on the improv literature on the group bind. Mm. Like how does a player know to pass that ball to someone as they're cutting if they didn't plan it out? How do yeah. they have that? Yeah. How do they have that awareness to recognize the cues and the offers that are being given by their team players? Yeah. Yeah. And that came from the improv literature. Wow. I didn't know that. I mean, I watched a little bit of the last dance, but this is like another level, mm -hmm. another level. Oh my gosh. And I think, it makes sense in my head that basketball would be a sport where group mind would be incredibly beneficial because I think at the end of the day, you can draw plays, but they're not always going to work depending on the other team's defense, right? Especially, you know, you're in the paint, right? Maybe someone's outside the key. Like you're trying to pass the ball around, trying to find that open shot. Oh my goodness. And it's so yeah. compelling too, because like, just think about it. Let's say you're on a basketball team, you have five players and even and you could, you only need one person to be looking out for themselves, to not buy into it, to destroy the whole thing. Mm -hmm. if, if one player says, you know what, I'm not going to do this whole group mind. I'm not going to like calm down my ego, do the meditation, do the yoga. I'm just going to make as many, take as many shots as I can, because if I can put up 20 points, even if to the detriment of the team, then another team might scout me and give me a $10 million contract. Yeah. So yeah. it was so brave to say, I want to try to teach all my players how to accept offers, how to calm my, how calm their minds. And mm. And it worked. Yeah. And on two different teams as well. And like you said, to the tune of 11 championships, yeah. like, you know, I have zero NBA championships. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I don't have a $10 million contract. What am I doing? <laughs> All right. Phil Jackson, call me. Uh, yeah, Phil Jackson, if you're listening, please, I would love to, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We, two guys right here. Uh, we're, we're ready to go. I'll ride your bench, whatever. Like, <laughs> but I'll be a team guy. <laughs> wow. I, I think that's fascinating. And uh, to bring that into your senior thesis, I really love that. Like combining these things that maybe people would think at face value, you're mm -hmm. like, I don't see the crossover, but you're like, no, look at these threads that connect these different ideas. Like you, you brought up Hinduism as well. Like uh, I, I'd love if you want to explain a little more kind of how that ties in as well. Absolutely. So he taught a form of Zen Buddhism mm -hmm. and Zen Buddhism is very similar to Hinduism mm -hmm. with one like critical exception and that's kind of in Zen Buddhism, there's like this sense of emptiness or nothingness. Mm. And like once you, you meditate, you calm the mind, you get to this sense of nothingness. Phil Jackson combined Zen Buddhism, what he taught to his players, with, uh, with the great mind, the great spirit, which was mm. a Lakota Sioux tradition, mm. a Native American tradition. So they would do these traditions, like you light incense in the locker rooms. He would have them form a circle with their arms and like to represent the great circle that connects everyone. Yeah. The whole idea being taking Zen Buddhism, but taking out the sense of emptiness and taking that sense of oneness, which yeah. you do that, that's Hinduism. The unification. That's Hinduism, like every single day. Mm. And so that's the kind of the vehicle I used to explain that. Yeah. <clears throat> also yeah. with all the rituals and trappings were just straight out of like 
you know, Hinduism, like lighting incense and, you know, these mm. rituals to, form, to represent the greater spirit. Like that's, yeah. yeah. So that, that's kind of where the Hinduism was a perfect lens to explain that coaching tradition. Yeah. And it really translates well to a team sense where it is not about the individual, but the greater whole, right? What can we accomplish together rather than individually? Right. Oh, man, revolutionary indeed. Cause and, I think a lot of teams still struggle with that. And the more yeah. I dug, the more excited I got. And yeah. the Swami that I was studying underneath, he would just like roll his eyes at me and he, he would, you know, very gracefully, you know, teach me the Hinduism side of it. But I would just nerd out about like the relationships between yeah. improv and yeah. basketball. For example, there's like this ancient, ancient, ancient prayer to goddess mm. that I love. I listen, I try to listen to every day if I can. And it talks about the origins of speech and how there's like two different levels of unconditioned speech before your conscious mind's aware of it. Mm. And so it talks about like, you know, how we talk about improv, about like how you want to try to not condition your mind, what you're going to say, like really respond. And just when this, when that thought that comes out of your, yourself that you don't even really know you're saying is it's usually brilliant and fun. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it talks about that in that ancient prayer. It, it's wow. incredible. Wow. Okay, man. I got this is some good stuff to me. Yeah. <laughs> so this is all the stuff like would get me excited about improv. Yeah, like, of course. Man, I can see it from like, cause I love basketball. I can see it from basketball. I can see it from Hinduism. Like yeah. it all kind of just comes together for me. It, yeah. It blends all these different areas of you, in your life and connects them, which is incredible. I mean, it's basketball. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I often think of basketball and improv is so different because there's like a type of person who's really into basketball and the type of person who's really into improv. But when you see the seams connecting the two, it's like, Hey, wait a second. And I think that's so incredible how you were able to connect that in your paper, in your senior thesis. I mean, that's what a senior thesis is about. You know, it's your opportunity to share an idea, something that you are passionate about and how it can affect the world, affect others. That's awesome. I mean, you see Matt like has us do those exercises where one oh, person yeah. stops and everyone has to stop and, yep. or four people and that soft focus. I mean, yeah. can you imagine if you had teams like basketball teams doing that like yeah. you'd have a lot more jason kids and people who can pass mm. behind their head and yeah because that soft focus is everything yeah oh yeah and i think i'm just thinking about other sports too i'm like oh yeah. my gosh but i think basketball in particular is the unique one because it's it's such a fluid sport that's always moving and changing and like you're just adapting on the court every moment oh my gosh all right so high school improv that was like it rocked your world and then you mentioned you continued doing improv in college. Obviously, you wrote that senior thesis. So were you taking classes, kind of involved in that scene at your school? Yeah. So at, in undergrad, I took an acting class and I took an improv class. And okay. those, those are yeah. great because they were like yeah. six months each. So they're really fun. Yeah, you get the whole really semester. Go slowly through short form, then long form. Oh, just man. awesome. Yeah. And then at the end of med school, I took one more class in Houston. That was a lot of fun. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Ah, yeah. I, I got to take a semester long improv class in college. One of the best things. Cause it's just the long term, like just week after week, class after class, you're meeting with those same people, really beneficial to group mind. Eh? <laughs> Cause you're building those relationships and that trust. And it just makes all your work that you do together stronger. Oh Yeah. I'm jealous. I, w I wish I could go back to doing that. You know, I miss it so much. All right. So you, so that was undergrad, right? You were mm -hmm. taking those classes and it tied into your paper and a lot of the other things that were going on in your life, your belief, your passion about sports. Incredible how that connected. Um, so were you performing as well? Just taking classes, doing shows? Just um, classes and such. I'd always kind of been musical. So I would be on, mm -hmm. but not, I would never, um, 
I never did like performances per se, so I okay. like within the confines of the class. Okay. Okay. All right. And that was, you were in Texas for undergrad, right? Okay. Yep. All in right. Austin. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, they got a good comedy scene there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's a good place to be. <laughs> yeah. That's fun. That was a lot of fun. Oh, I believe it. All right. So you finish undergrad, grad school? Medical school in Houston, and oh, okay. it was just so busy. But my fourth year, the fourth yeah. year is typically a very light year, so I was mm -hmm. able to get some time in to do an improv class at the end of it, and that was just yeah. so much fun. Yeah, you know, performance at the end, and oh, it yeah. was a lot of it, it was fantastic. Yeah, and probably getting back to it after being busy for so many years with school and studying, and I'm sure taking tests and so many different things has probably felt really good. It has a meditative feel too, and I still feel like this now, yeah. where I don't have really any other thoughts. Yeah, in yeah. that class, and there's very few things in my life that are. That, which I really, I really enjoy that. Yeah. Yeah. It improv kind of exists in a unique space and I think is, can be so centering, like coming to that class and then coming out of it can really, I don't know, for me, it, it helps me get back on track with a lot of things in life because it just, it's kind of a reset in a way. Everything slows down. What matters is what's happening in that class. Nothing else outside Then I can face it all again when I'm done, which is, yeah, you don't get that out in a lot of places. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm trying to track your journey. So kind of, Grad school. All right. So grad school, you take that improv class in Houston. Because yep. um, I'm, I'm trying to find my way to when you got to L.A. So oh, you finish right. so up in five, Houston. Yeah, five years of residency in Memphis, right? <laughs> zero improv. Also, there wasn't very much. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know too much about Memphis. The classes, there's only like one class a week that were nearby. And there, it was during a time I would not be able to attend. And so I, just, yeah. and I was just yeah. so busy. I, I couldn't do it. I would have loved to. I really wanted to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I come to Los Angeles for fellowship. Mm. And... Um, I have a lot more free time and that's good. Yeah. I, I like, man, I got to find a place to pick this up again and yeah, get involved. Yeah. And it's just really fun too, to have friends and IFTP and just kind of reconnect that as well. Yeah. So you said, uh, you started at IFTP back in September, 2022, right? When did you move to LA? Was it July? Short? Oh, wow. Okay. So pretty quick, pretty quick turnaround. That's, that's amazing. And how was it jumping in? You came to your first IFTP class. It had been a few years since you had done improv. Were you like, I'm ready to go, like not too much rust? Or like, how was that jumping back in? You know, the thing that I love about improv and kind of coming back to the spiritual side of things yeah. and like the therapy, self-development, whatever it is, I feel like with improv, there are things that I've learned over the years where it's so internal and not external that I know if I'm doing a good job, even if people don't laugh, even yeah. if people don't yeah. like respond. And they, but if I do it to that, typically they will. Yeah. So kind of clarifying that statement. Like if I am trusting just whatever gray space comes out, mm. if I'm like giving my scene partner something to work with. Yeah. Um, and then the work in progress side, if I'm not dominating the conversation or the scene too much, I know if I can reach those three goals, then it doesn't really matter kind of how everything else goes. And so those were kind of my light posts and it worked yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Huh. I think it's interesting how you're able to like gauge that right within yourself, because I don't think improv scenes should be judged based on laughter alone. Right. Because there's so much more to it than that. And like you said, giving a gift to your scene partner is such a huge thing. And sometimes the best improvisers are the ones that can do that. Right. Just like here, 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 here. And like that makes everyone look good. Right. That's that group mind is when you're building, everyone's building each other up. Instead of like, you know, railroading a scene to themselves. Ah, that's incredible. So what would you say thinking about it? Cause I'd consider you, you're like a long time improviser. You've been in the game a little bit. What are, what's some growth that you've seen in yourself as an improviser from when you started to where you are now? I think one of the 
best reflections I've had. There's, and bear with me on this metaphor, there is a saying or there's just something you'll notice when you're learning how to operate and you mm. have different teachers and you'll do a surgery as a trainee and you'll be like, oh my gosh, I did a great job. But, but then as you get older, you reflect like, wow, well, the surgeon who's teaching me put the retractors exactly where they should be, where you, they were just guiding you, you know? You mm. didn't really do the surgery. You just kind of got led. And, and it's remarkable as you get older, you're like, wow, the, doing the actual cutting and whatever part you have to do is not that hard. It's really being able to retract things in like a gentle way to get the surgery done because that's, that's the hard part. Yeah. And in the same way, I think I've realized, especially with some of these just incredible improvisers that I've had like the privilege of working with here, um, you'll just, um, like Andy Rose and them, like they just, yeah. you'll, when, when you're working with them, like there's two things I've noticed. One, like Andy Rose in particular, she can just completely be silent in the scene and still be excellent or like take over whatever it's needed. She'll do. Mm. Um, the second thing is like, and I remember I was like in a scene with Austin. She gave me like the most incredible gift. Like, I think our, our suggestion was seven. And I was like, I have no <laughs> seven? idea. Yeah, seven. Oh, what a and suggestion. I was like, I have no idea what to do. Yeah, that's a terrible suggestion. And the first <laughs> sentence comes out of her mouth, like, Captain, we're about to head towards seven asteroids. What's your next step? And I was like, that is an incredible gift. Yeah. And yeah. my reflection from that was, I, I tried to think, okay, what scenes went well, what scenes didn't go well, whatever. I was like, man, you know, the common string is I want to have a great scene partner. And so just start crediting myself less on some of these scenes I think went well because yeah. they probably didn't go well because of me. They went well because my scene partner really set me up for success. Wow. Yeah. Okay. This is a bit of a tangent, but who gave the suggestion seven? Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> was this in a class setting? Yeah, this is Matt's oh. class. Oh, <laughs> that's mean. That's mean. <laughs> I was like, well, we're going <laughs> to. Someone was like, ooh, I got one. Seven. Yeah. <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> that's just a number. I mean, oh, it sounds like man. y'all were able to turn it into something pretty awesome, but goodness gracious. And, uh, I would say, yeah, Annie Rose and Austin friends of the show, uh, they've both been on earlier episodes and they're yeah. both, yeah, I've, I've had the opportunity to work with them both. They're both fantastic improvisers. So I know what you mean. I thought they were those younger, like, especially I'm just reflecting back when I was in college and so yeah. yeah, I had that idea of like, try to be in the moment just your mind will make funny things mm. and it does in the gray spacing still a big aspect. Yeah. But, um, and maybe this is me realizing like my own ADD and like getting treated for it and recognizing mm. that I don't have to gray space and be crazy to make a fun scene no. and just kind of let it unfold. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a value in kind of slowing things down a little bit and kind of seeing where it leads. Like, especially sometimes it can be fun to like watch scenes breathe a little bit, you know, before they get cut off too quickly because then you can really find something interesting. Yeah. I know I have a habit of that sometimes like, like getting like too caught up in like trying to speed through, speed through and you keep like throwing information out there, but it's like, Whoa, slow down. Like there were good pieces in there. If you just take the time to point them out and acknowledge them. Right. Or maybe your scene partner is giving you something, but you sometimes you're buzzing, you're going too fast. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think that's something I know that was true, true of me when I was younger as well. My early improv days. Yikes. Uh, all right. So what would you say is one of your favorite improv exercises? Ooh, man, I have so many, but, um, you know, and maybe this is my favorite, the one that I've just been thinking about a lot. I love the confession game. Mm, God, I love the yeah. confession game. That is such yeah. a fun game. Yeah. 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 I don't know if it's an exercise or a game. I'm not sure which one you're getting at. Yeah. It's an exercise game, either eh, interchangeable a little bit, but yeah. yeah, I think a confession can be such a, a strong move in an improv scene too, because it's, 
it just makes things juicy, right? And it can be such a helpful tool. Like, just like, I have to confess something. And like, it gets drama, right? It builds tension, you know, it helps deepen the relationship with the two characters. And oh, it's such a rich thing. So I definitely agree. Jamie had us use one exercise once I really liked, just came to mind, where you had to use the last word that your scene partner used oh, to start yeah. your sentence. Yeah. Oh man, I had to say so many bizarre things. Mm-hmm. And um, in, I think my scene partner ended the sentence with is. And so <laughs> I just started saying is, is, was, will be. And I just, I don't know, but the gray spacing was so much fun yeah, with absolutely. a little bit of structure. It's just like, you can like get yeah. something so much better sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Like a little constraint makes it so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think oftentimes the best sort of creativity comes under constraints. Cause it's like, that's when like the human genius can come in almost, you know, it's like that opportunity of like, Hey, we can't do this. What else can we do? And some of the best things I know in my experience that I've seen or been a part of have come out because of constraints. So I definitely agree when an exercise challenges you like that, it, it can help get you out of your head because you're not trying to figure out what seven means, (laughs) (laughs) you know, you're given a little more structure. So I, I think it's a really important thing. All right. Do you have a least favorite exercise? <laughs> yeah. Oh, because <laughs> you know everyone has things they like to do, and then it's like, ah, oh, we're doing this, and you do it, but you're like, ah. So I think my least, and this is going to sound like a cop out, but my I'll say my it's my my least favorite, but also one of my favorites, and mm. I'll tell you why. It's like the one where you everyone has to, you know, one person walks, and then the other person or four people walk, and. Um, it's my least favorite because it just feels like, uh, it feels like a chore. Mm. It's my most favorite because one thing Matt said like a month ago that just like resonated. I told my therapist, we talked about it. It was so brilliant. It was, if you're the person who typically likes to start a scene, mm. if you're the person who likes to start a scene, then, then don't be the person who initiates a walk. Yeah. And if you're the person who typically doesn't start, then be the person who walks. And that was a light bulb for me, but I still hate that exercise, but now I get, yeah. now I really appreciate yeah. it. I'm like, this is the medicine I need. Yeah. Are you the improviser who starts or doesn't start? You start? Yeah. Having brittle ADHD. It's uh, yeah. I'm a, I'm a starter as well. Yeah. And I definitely, <laughs> I noticed that I'm like, ah, even on the podcast, <laughs> I'm like editing and I'm like, why did I, I'm the host. <laughs> like, let the guests do it. So just know I'm going to be thinking about that in a little bit tonight when we play some games. <laughs> I'm going to be like, don't start, don't start, don't give Naveen the chance to start. Uh, it's, it's on my mind often. Um, okay. So do you think there's been any crossover? And I, we've touched on this here and there, but maybe between improv and the work you do. Absolutely. I think, I mean, obviously you improvise all the time in surgery and that's a cheesy way of saying it, but I think really more importantly is it just makes it more fun to interact with people, Mm. to be able to not just answer things just so directly. You can have a little more fun and I feel like I'm a little more funny and lighthearted with my colleagues at work, like in the operating room. Like sometimes you don't have to answer exactly the question someone's asking, you still get the yeah. information across, but have a yeah. lot of fun and, and everyone's yeah. a little bit more lighthearted. And even if they're having to do something menial to help you do a surgery, they're at least having a better time. And so they do it better. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I often feel like you're probably in a lot of high stress environments too. So being able to just like relax, keep things light, but still, you know, get the job done can be really important. I think, I, uh, yeah. I think improv also like functions doubles my therapy, as I kind of mentioned before, because mm-hmm. you know, the stuff like Matt says about, trying to become more extrovert if you're introvert or in my yeah. case, you know, more introvert if you're extrovert mm. really helps. Cause then, you know, I speak less 
because yeah. typically I'm the person who talks too much. Yeah. So then I get into surgery and I talk less. And just the function of coming to improv helps me get some of it out of my system. So the next day I feel like, you know, I had a lot of fun. I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to be on the task at hand. Yeah, it helps you lock in. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting point, like being the person maybe who talks more, right? Where improv so often your focus needs to be on listening, right? And taking in, taking in, taking in. Especially, you know, you're doing a scene, there's two, three other people up there with you. In a scene like that, you got to be taking in all the information, right? And then, because words are more valuable in those scenes. Uh, I think it helps you move on too. Like, yeah. I used to get more caught up in like, if somebody, if my, my, my boss said something mean or blah, blah, blah. And improv just trains you like, okay, that person might say like 50 words. You can't, you can't harp on word two and make your next statement on that. You got to harp yeah. on word 49 or 50, you know, <laughs> like that. You can't go on to that thought that was five thoughts ago. You need to be on the, the immediate thought that was presented yeah. to you. Yeah. And I think it's a really valuable skill set. I mean, I've seen it work. I feel like, you know, my boss will say something and, It'll like the old Naveen or I mean, it's still me, but you know, the older yeah. Naveen would be like, Oh God, he said that thing on word two. And now I'm not really focusing on word 50, which is really related to the task at hand. Yeah. Yeah. It I'm sure that applies to any field, but Oh yeah. I think it's very important, right. Not to hold on for too long. And I think an improv in particular is something that's always moving, right. Even when you finish a scene, that scene's gone forever. I mean, you can quickly reflect on it and be like, okay, this is something I want to try next time. But then you're moving on whole new circumstance, whole new arena to play in. And uh, I love that. That's one of my favorite parts about it. Because I think, I know you mentioned earlier in the episode, right, when you were back in high school, like the theater with the lines and everything, that didn't really click for you. And I, that really resonated with me because I did a lot of that growing up. I did a lot of that in college. But as I've gotten older, I'm like, I don't care about, I don't want to be cast. I want to cast myself. You know, I want to make my character. I don't want to be like, well, you're allowed to play this. You're not allowed to play that. Why does someone get to decide that for me? Or what is it? No, that's your line. You only say that. You know, Shakespeare wrote some great words, but God forbid someone says them wrong, right? That's like the highest crime. <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> you're going to get prosecuted if you do that. But improv, it's like, hey, well, you're writing it right there on the spot. And nobody can tell you what you can or cannot be or can or cannot do. It's just within the power of the scene, you and your partner, what you agree upon together. And that's like, that's pretty cool. <laughs> So I, I don't know. Yeah. That just stuck with me when you said that. Totally. And I, I know that, I mean, they do all our brilliant actors in this city and New York yeah. and everywhere else. I mean, they do great things with that kind of mindset. Oh yeah. You, all the greatest classical musicians play notes that are written hundreds of years ago and they do it brilliantly and they recreate it in a, like a novel way. But for me and for like my own DNA and the way my brain was made, it just, it doesn't work. It doesn't help me focus and be in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and it's like maybe the idea of being engaged and on edge because you never know what's next. That gets you focused in the moment because you're like, okay, what's what's our next move? What's our next move? I like the exercises too um, that you know, we do in improv, and you know, obviously Matt does a lot. All the all of our teachers do this, where you just mm. have to fail. Yeah, and I think that's an exercise that also really helps me in surgery. Yeah, because it might, it might sound a little crazy, but you have there's just times, especially because I'm still finishing up my training, where yeah. you just have to do something. And you might fail, but you have to do something. Yeah. And, you know, getting that threshold down is incredibly valuable. Yeah, and you got to give it a shot first, right? Because you're only going to get better if you keep doing something. And I think, yeah, improv can be a great training ground for that. And it's seeing that ripple effect in other areas of your life. Like like you said, in your work as, you know, a surgeon, right? That's huge. 
I imagine nobody does surgery perfectly the first time, you know? No one does perfectly, no one does surgery perfectly a thousand Anytime, times. I mean, yeah. There's always minor adjustments and all yeah, that stuff. But you yeah. have to get somewhere. So, you know, having that ability to say, look, I know how to do this. I know I need to do something. I know I need, it's, it's like an improv. You know, you know, you have to say something. Mm. And if you get too caught up on, oh, is it funny? Is it going to land? Is it going to do it? You just have to do it. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, hesitating and thinking about it too much it's only going to cause more problems. It's going to make it worse, right? And this actually gets back to the Hinduism stuff I wrote by my mm. thesis, the whole idea of karma yoga, like the yoga, mm. the yoga of action. And this is also gets into what, what kind of what happens to these professional basketball players is mm. um, the analogy that's used in like ancient Hindu scripture is like the farmer can farm her field, right? She can put the seeds in the, in the soil. She can put the water on the, and she, but she can't, and you know, she can do all that stuff, right? But she yeah. can't control if those seeds are going to grow. Yeah. The only thing she has control over is like how well she tills the soil and all that stuff. But you know, what's crippling about that is what, what like kind of the analogy for us is like the student who's studying for the test mm. and he studies so hard and he's so anxious about getting that a, that he can't, he gets anxiety and he can't mm. perform on the test. Right. So learning how to just detach yourself from that result and just be completely locked in on the action itself. That's why you see a lot in improv because like, look, you, you have to say something gray space before you even know what your brain is, what, before you're saying. And if it's a mistake, it's going to be even funnier, even though your conscious brain says, no, you can't say that. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I think that's a good point. Yeah. Your mind can get in the way and trip you up. And so I think that improv trains you to do that in your other areas of life. I yeah. think it helps yeah. me focus on just, you know, all I can control is you know, yeah. my hand in the surgery. I can't control whether they have a good result or not. I can do yeah. my best, yeah. but Give I can't control own. that result. Yeah, and at some point it's beyond you and beyond your power. Which yeah, I think. which is karma yoga. That's, that's kind of the, the thing between the basketball as well, you know? Yeah. Yeah, control what you can control and let the rest take care of itself. And and that's yeah. what, you know, a lot of people, sorry to digress back to the, my thesis was. No, not at all. The, you know, the players lose their joy, right? Like mm. almost like you hear Simone Biles saying, I just stopped enjoying it. Like I was yeah. just doing this. I was almost, I was only relieved when I, when I want, I wasn't even happy. Mm. It's because that the pressure gets so much like that where, now you're at the gym and you're just shooting because you know if you don't make that certain percentage, you're going to get cut and now yeah. your family's going to make money, blah, blah. Yeah. You lose the joy of it. Mm. So getting, and that's a lot of what Phil Jackson was doing is like, look, getting them back to the idea of enjoying, like being a play where you enjoy shooting and you're only competing against yourself. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So that and meditation that yoga is supposed to do. Isn't that sad too? Just like athletes who are at the top of their game, but losing the passion or the joy of something because of that immense pressure, right? I can't even imagine like, I could say I've probably never been under as much pressure as Simone Biles felt <laughs> like at her level, at her sport, like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. And just, you know, the eyes of the world watching you compete millions of billions of people. I'm like, I never had that many people watching me. <laughs> I just found what she said so compelling that she yeah. just admitted to the fact that yeah, like, the honesty yeah, that, that I, like it was just, so, and it's really resonated with me. Mm. That thought of something you enjoyed, something that like just brought you incredible, happiness your whole life just became um became tragic and i felt some of that too because i struggled with anxiety and residency and, mm. I, and where i would just i loved doing a certain type of surgery yeah i loved it like that's what got me into doing orthopedic surgery yeah and there reached a point where my anxiety got so bad that mm. i would just like not want to do that surgery and that's yeah. like and, and i i i think that's why it resonated so much with me yeah because you're like you saw that within yourself you're like yeah. oh my gosh yeah yeah i let 
this got to me over time and the pressure. That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I was really, I really admired her for being so vulnerable about that. Yeah. How do you feel about that type of surgery now? Oh, I love it. Okay. I, got treated for my, to... I got treated for my anxiety. So that was the other thing. That's amazing. Yeah, That's yeah. amazing. Improv or therapy? Thera- oh. uh, therapy <laughs> and medication. Okay, there you yeah, go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I'm, a, I'm all about therapy, so I'm very, yeah. yeah. You know, therapy and <laughs> medication, fan. yeah. I, know I talk to my therapist about improv all the time. She loves it. Yeah, that's fantastic. Like, I, yo, you're going to love what we did. I did not eat. My, my teacher told me not to walk. I'm always a person walking. And she's yeah. like, yes, Naveen. <laughs> <laughs> I've, done a, I've done a little bit of that with my therapist, too. So I, I can relate. Very good. <laughs> you're like, no, don't you see? Like, <laughs> Actually, I talked to her about another thing that was kind of funny. Um, mm. From improv, yeah. How I find like I, I love how like Gavin and like Mad they can really just get into a scene and oh, start yeah. getting really into relationships between two people. Yeah, like, I was watching a scene with like Gavin. And I think maybe it was Gavin and Matt. I can't remember mm. where they were like roommates who were in an argument about something. Yeah. Um, and I just had this thought like you know I'm good at making bizarre funny things, but I'm not as good at like really getting into a relationship with goals like that like that. Like I can make something bizarre and funny. Like I remember I did a scene where I made like. Uh, fear factor for like these cooks in Africa, like touching hot pots because someone in an Armando said there were, you know, <laughs> anyways, like I can make bizarre yeah, and funny. Yeah, yeah. It's so funny, but mm-hmm. uh, like, man, the level I want to get to is like that relationship thing. And so I yeah. told my therapist, like, hmm, Naveen, do you think this is because you do this in other aspects of your life? Uh, like, ah, damn it. <laughs> damn it. Therapy. You got yeah. me again. They, they find a way. They're like, and do you think this stems from uh, like <laughs> Dude, maybe it's because you don't, you're not good at engaging in relationships in your own life. Uh, like, damn it, therapy. Just like, Never telling you about improv again until next week. Stab me in the heart. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, it's, therapists yeah. can be brutal like oh, that. Ice cold. Ice I cold. Know. And they're like, and that stems from your relationship with your parents, right? And you're like, no. <laughs> How dare you say that? And, uh, even though I'm paying you to say that. <laughs> Same time next week? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, the things we do to yeah. improve, right? <laughs> All right. Uh, got a couple more questions for you, Naveen, and then we're going to get to some improv games. Um, so the question I want to ask you, um, and I think you've answered this a little bit, so maybe this is more like in summary. So what, what would you say overall has been the impact of improv in your life? Absolutely. It's uh, made me more confident. It has helped me with my self-growth. Hmm. Uh, my therapist loves it. Yeah. Um, it allows me to be a little more cheerful because I feel like I'm not having to take everything everyone says to me at face value. I can have a little fun with it. You know, yeah. as Matt always says, don't always take things all, you know, always always have the joke on the nose. You kind of come around the nose or behind yeah. the nose. And yeah. so I just kind of take that in real life too. And sometimes, uh, and I think maybe my improv teacher in high school told me this, like sometimes it's just funny to be the clown. And like mm. a lot of that comes from my improv shops. Like I'll be in the operating room and, uh, sometimes they'll just ask questions like, Hey, who's that musician? And I'll just say something just absolutely bizarre. Be like, Oh yeah, that's Elton John. And it'd be like a 90 <laughs> song. And my boss like, no, it's not. Yeah. And you'll know I'm messing with them, but, it, kills but him. it just yeah. kind of lightens the mood. And, yeah, you know, yeah. But I, it, yeah, that's, yeah, I think what's Yeah. Keep it fun. Keep it loose. I think that's really important. All right. Um, if, okay, I'm sitting here in this hypothetical scenario. I'm thinking about taking improv, but I'm on the fence. What advice or what would you say to me to convince me to start taking an improv class? Absolutely. I think it will make you happier Mm. and make you more confident. Mm. And for me, what, and it's hard to talk to someone who's in 
because I feel like I've been in this situation a few times. Yeah. I think it's hard with someone who's never done improv. They're a little apprehensive about it. Yeah. So I can only speak about myself. Yeah, sure. So for me, it's like the two and a half hours where I just have zero desire to touch my phone or be anywhere else. Yep. Yep. And Gets I think that's the most that. compelling thing I can tell someone like, look, they'd like the most fun two and a half hours. I do not want, mm. I can't think of any other two and a half hours. I don't want to like know what's going on my phone. Oh, talk yeah, to anyone else. Absolutely. Like, even during yeah. surgery, I'm like, Oh my God, can I just go check my texts? Like <laughs> yeah, I got one hand free right now. Scalpel. <laughs> yeah. 50 cc's or more. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> Clearly I'm very educated, uh, <laughs> but I understand that. Yeah. I think that's definitely a very prevalent thing in today's society, right? Just like doing something that gets you off your phone. is huge. Yeah. And like, even like, you know, people like watching TV and stuff these days, people like hop on their phones and like yeah. stay off of it. But going to an improv class, you're, you are disconnected. That's a good thing. You're connected to the people in the room and that's it. I went to a really good improv show hmm. and I enjoyed being in Matt's class, like being part of it with the yeah. people, you know? Yeah. So I think the second part of it too is like, it just gets more fun as you get close with the people in your class. Yeah. It's richer. Yeah. And so then you're having fun and more fun than I did watching the show. And I was like, mm. really striking to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it, it, it reaches a point where there's like an emotional buy-in in that situation. When you're in class, you're like, wow, these are people that I care about very much. Like you care about them outside the scene. Right. And that just makes the comedy even better. It makes the moments you have with them both as an audience member and a performer even better because you're all rooting for each other and supporting one another and watching each other fail. The, that's a, that's a hard room to beat. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Last question for you. What do you think is next for you in your improv journey? Any goals or anything you're looking to do in the year 2023? Is it keeping with IFTP, working hard there? Yeah. Anything you want to try? Um, I really hope drama prob comes on at some point because mm. I really want to try mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And I sometimes, it, and I love this because I think Daryl and I have very similar goals mm. as far as improv. He and I are both yeah. trying to like bring it back. He and I are both trying not to be the funny guy. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes like he and I will have scenes where neither of us are particularly funny, but we'll make a compelling scene and it is so challenging, mm. but I, I enjoy it thoroughly. I love improvising with Daryl. He's also mm. like one of my closest friends oh, here. Daryl's awesome. Yeah. First person I met at IFTP. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, he's, yeah, he's a phenomenal guy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, th- I think those would be my goals. Um, and, and, and this is going to sound crazy. Yeah. It's not that I don't want to do a show. It's that, that like, the thing I love about improv is like, I don't really have an external motivation for it. And it's just so, and I think that's one of the things I like the most about it. Mm. Like if Matt never asked me to do a show, like, you know, I wouldn't, no, I wouldn't care. It's just, I love being out there like in, in class and just sometimes like I have to, I have to take stock after the class to figure out, Oh, I said that and it was funny. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm just so in the moment that I don't even know what kind of what's going on around me. And so it's almost like, yeah, a show would be cool, but it's like sometimes I just don't even really even know that, what's going on like until after it's happened. Yeah, so yeah, I don't even, so in it. Matt was like once, hey, you hit the joke. Stop it. I hit the joke. Like, man, I don't remember saying that. Like, <laughs> You're like what? Yeah. I did? Oh, okay, sure. Yeah. Yeah, so. Oh, that's fantastic. And uh, I think I think there's something to say. There is a, a distinct difference between class and a show, and I think class is, I think, probably the best environment to do improv. I really do believe that. I think shows are oh. great. Yeah. But class is just another level because you get to play all the parts of audience, performer, like, and it's just, it's just, I don't know. There's something different about it. It's a, med- it's a meditation. It. I don't know. I just feel yeah. like, I, I feel so connected to the moment. It's more sacred, I think, than a show. Because a show is like, you're putting it up in front of everybody. But a class, it's you and the, you know, 10 other people in the room. It's a, uh, 
Yeah. 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 So I'm with you there. I'm with you there. All right, Naveen. Well, thank you so much for telling us about your improv journey, some of your thoughts. Uh, just the the Hinduism basketball improv connection, like Loki, I kind of want to, I want to read your thesis. Like I'm down, I'm down for it. Cause uh, yeah, that's like, that's my jam. Something like that. Just seeing like the threads between different things and like, especially with improv kind of being at the center and then tying those together. I'm like more of that, please. (laughs) So I'm all about that. But, uh, we got to play some games to mean because I'm going to do some improv with you. So we have three games we're going to be playing tonight. And uh, the fun part about this is that you've probably never played these games before because I either made them up or I modified them. So, <laughs> uh, so that's the great part about it. So the first game that we are going to be playing is just uh, we're going to be doing a simple scene called Changing Locations. And how this is going to work is that I'm going to give us a suggestion for a location. And then throughout the scene, that location is going to change. And we're just going to have to roll with it, you and I. The improvisers. All right. So our first location that we're going to be at is the jungle. Naveen, you and I find ourselves in the jungle. Uh, so at some point, I'll give us a new location, and I'll black out our scene when we're done. Any questions for me? I, I'll just make statements. I won't, I won't ask questions like Natalie says. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Got me. <laughs> Naveen's ready to go. <laughs> all right. All right. <sighs> Pass me that bug spray, will you? Thanks. Don't use all of it. It's got to last us a, a month or more. You're right. You're right. This I don't. I don't know when the when the ship's going to come back for us. I know this. This whole expedition was a stupid idea. We don't know anything about the jungle. I, I, I really thought it was going to be different this time, Charlie. Okay, I really thought that we were going to find ourselves and really rekindle what, what brought us together in the first place. Tom, I, Thomas, I appreciate your spirit. I, you know, back home, we, we were kind of losing our way. So I, I get it. The idea to come out and spend a month in nature away from society, you know, to kind of rekindle our friendship. But it's brilliant, but it's stupid, dude. Charlie. Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. I mean, the jungle? The jungle? Yes, the jungle. The jungle, the jungle, the jungle. Because here, you don't have your Instagram to just stare at the whole time. You're looking at the bug spray and that palm tree and whether or not that coyote over there is going to eat us. Or at least I think it's a coyote. I don't know what's in the jungle, but it looks ferocious. There are animals here that I have not seen on TV. All right, location change. Street. Um, well, okay, this is better than the jungle. I, I do enjoy this. Uh, you know, there, why don't we go and get some street meat? Yeah. Because yeah. uh, you're looking a little famished after our sojourn in the jungle it, it was Nairobi. A, it was a long month, so <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad we got out of there. But, you know, I, I can appreciate these things. Paved roads, you know, food from a cart. Urine that's not from a hyena. Ab- absolutely. You know... Thomas, I really doubted you at the beginning of this trip, you know. Using my full Christian name. That's, I, uh, you're I right. I mean, this is, real, we, this is a level of intimacy <laughs> I've been looking for, Char- Charles. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, Thomas, I, I'm sorry that we ever got so disconnected. And I, I you know, in truth, it was because, uh, you know, the breakup I had. 
I, I understand, you know, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. and then that's part of the reason why I suggested this jungle cruise, you know, after yeah. you and Ophelia ended things after, please don't say her name after you and that whore uh, ended things. We, uh, I had to find a way for, you know, you to get off your phone Yeah, because yeah. you were just, you just kept texting every, you kept, kept looking at your texts every other minute and she wouldn't respond. I sent her like, I would call her, you know, multiple times a day. I'd text her. She'd leave me on red. That was frustrating. And, I wanted to get back together. And that time I had to get you out of jail because you were stalling your car outside her house. It's, yes. There's a lot. There was a lot going on there, oh, Charles. I, and I really made some bad, bad judgment calls, didn't I? You know, but you know, we're back on the we're back on the streets of Des Moines, uh, and yeah. God, I love Des Moines. It, it's a great state. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's a city and a state, but I think it's great. And, you know, being here, eating this uh, this corn dog with you here on this street in it Des Moines. It is the meatiest of streets. Yeah. On, they actually call this meat street because there's so much meat on this street. Yeah. And I'm really appreciating the simple pleasures, you know? Of just being here with a good friend, eating a good, uh, you know, street dog, street meat. Well, it's not dog anymore. Oh, no, there's actual you know pig in it now. Oh, it's a recession. Oh, <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. All right. Uh, location change. Heaven. Well, we probably shouldn't have eaten that meat. Oh my. But uh, okay, you, I'm. You got us in heaven, yeah, Thomas. I. I I was certain we were not. We were going the. Other oh place. my gosh! Yeah, yeah I think <laughs> like before that jungle trip, I know where I was headed. Like my passport stamp, help! Like, woo! You, your friendship, you saved my life. You saved my soul, Thomas. Thank you, Chuck. I, I got a confession to make to you. Anything, man. We're we're in the trust tree. We're in heaven, dude. What's what is it? We were in the jungle, and I, I wasn't sure if you were going to make it one of those nights. I baptized you, you, but I didn't have any water. So you? so that hyena's urine, uh, well. Oh, Thomas. And, and I'm actually surprised. I didn't think it, we'd, it actually worked to get us to have Thomas, it. Thomas. I, I mean. But, you know, you smell... My, the smell's gone. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. My gut reaction is to be mad at you, but look where we are. Like, you know. Blackout. <laughs> All right. Oh, man. I didn't know how that game was going to go, but I like the journey we wrote yeah. for ourselves. I think we had a good time. I, I was good. You, you saved my life. <laughs> Thank you, Naveen. With that, with that coyote, <laughs> hyena, and urine of some sorts. Hey, uh, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. All right. Eight years of Catholic school, which comes out all at once. I'm oh, so, yeah, so sorry, yeah. Father Gregory, if you're listening. Yeah, I mean, a lot of years of Christian school. So I was, I was right there with you. Hindu and like, Catholic school. Right, I remember some. Right, that's what, that's what, I, what comes from it. We're jumping in. We're jumping yeah. in. All right, Naveen. So this next game we're going to play is uh, uh, I base this off of, I'm going to justify why we're playing this game. So uh, I don't know if you know, but you have a Twitter account. Do I really? Yeah, but um, you haven't been on in a long time. Like, oh, no. We're talking a decade. Oh, uh, and I'm going to go out on a limb here. Are you a fan of the Houston Rockets? Um, or is there another team that's your team? Not really. Okay. You had a tweet, I think, from uh, around 2012 that was related to the Houston Rockets. Oh. Unless you're talking about space travel. But I'm, I'm leaning Houston Rockets. <laughs> and I, I mean, you had a lot of tweets. It was interesting. You joined in 2009. Um, <laughs> I'm, re I'm remembering it now briefly. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, anyway, that's part of my deep dive. Um, but uh, in this game, 
uh, you're going to be playing a star NBA player. What team would you like to play for, Naveen? Why don't I play for the Memphis Grizzlies? The Memphis Grizzlies. Memphis all right, Grizzlies. all right. Oh, yeah, sure. you spent some time in Tennessee, right? You got some uh, Memphis roots there. All right, so uh, you are the star basketball player of the Memphis Grizzlies. And uh, for your player, would you like to use your own name or would you like to make up a name? Uh, why don't I make up my own name? All right, all right. We'll, we'll have you make up your own name. Uh, all right, so you're the star player of the Memphis Grizzlies. And uh, we're at your pref com- press conference after you just lost in the NBA Finals. You lost Game 7 in the NBA Finals. And, uh, oh boy, let me tell you, there are a lot of reporters in this room who have a lot of things, a lot of questions to ask you. So uh, you're on the hot seat tonight. All right, so we're here tonight with a star player of the Memphis Grizzlies. And uh, boy, do we have some questions for him. After that historic collapse in Game 7 of the NBA Finals to the uh, uh, the Golden State Warriors, we could not believe it. Uh, all right, uh, so... Explain to us what happened there in the final minutes of the game. You had the ball. Uh, the game was tied. <clears throat> what happened from there? So, yeah, you know, as uh, you guys have seen all on the video replays, I had the ball in my hand, and I just remembered that I had run out of minutes on my meter outside. Oh, my. And so the ball's in my hand. I'm just thinking, oh, my goodness, that is going to be quite the parking ticket. I need to just get out there real quick and go pay my parking meter. So I, I call a timeout. We don't have any timeouts left. And as you know, that's a, that's a shooting foul for their team. So they shoot two buckets that are up. I'm outside paying, putting the coins in the meter, and the game is over. There's fireworks going from the Oracle Arena in San Francisco. Oh and Horatio Manchild, the star of the Memphis Grizzlies, yours truly, is now at a press conference explaining why we lost. Horatio, Horatio, uh, did the meter, did it, was it change or was it a, a card that it took? Yeah, excellent question. You know, and I thought it was going to accept a card again, cause, mm. but turns out someone had taped over the card things and now I got to find change. So I had forgot my car keys where all my change lives, where every human being <sighs> in 2023 change course. lives. So I have to run all the way back up three flights to my locker room because, of course, they give the visitors us three flights to go up. Elevator's conveniently broken <clears throat> to go find my car keys. I run up, look for my car keys, and turns out my, the car key had been taken off. The rest of my keys are there, my house key. Mm. So someone had done something to it. Oh my gosh. So I go up and run around the locker room. I still can't find them looking everywhere. And I start to hear something vibrating mm. and I'm like, that sounds a little interesting. And it's coming from the ceiling. I, I, I so I get some chairs cause you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, you know, the first four foot nine star of any, NBA team in league truly history. incredible, truly yeah. incredible. So it takes me several steps to get up to that, to that, uh, ceiling tower. And I see my car keys taped to a cell phone that just says, ha ha on it. A prank. Do you, do you suspect you that the golden state warriors were behind this prank? Is well, this Steph Curry's work? I, I am not here to get myself another fine because between the traffic tickets of the greater San Francisco area, mm. I can't afford any more fines right now because you're, you're truly Horatio Manchild is now a non-winner of the NBA championship. Right, yeah. So I get my car keys. I try to run back down the stairs, but then there's a cleaning squad right on the stairwell, and they're just cleaning, cleaning, cleaning. I have to wait for them to finish. Mm. 
Of course. So, it's good to be respectful and, to those employees of the arena. And you know, they, they do such a great job. You know, yeah, they do. The pandemic, they, do. they were the ones just spraying ammonia everywhere, making sure that we're safe. Shout out They're, the cleaning staff at the Oracle Arena. Shout out to our first responders and our cleaning staff that you're the true heroes. Heroes work here. Heroes work here. And so then, yeah, so I get back down the stairwell. I get up there and lo and behold, there is a mead of the mater or a maid of the meter, a maid, uh, a maid as you might meter. say, or a meter of mater. That's what we call them in uh, San Fran. Yeah, a, a, a mater, a mater de mead. I think that's Latin. And they're putting a ticket on uh, on the front of my, my vehicle, and I, and I beg, I pray, I say, look, I'm Horatio Manchild. Not only Horatio Manchild, I'm Horatio Manchild III, mm. and I, I have a game to play. Can you yeah. please just not write me this ticket? Because, you know... I really just, I'm, I had to see, I'm going to get the coins out yeah, and yeah, there's foul yeah. play. And there's a lot on your mind. And then they, they tell me that once they start writing the ticket, they are legal bound to continue. Yeah, of course. And so like, I just have to accept this, you know, $51 ticket. Yeah. Um, and, and he writes it and uh, I got, and, you know, I'm a good citizen, you know, I have nothing against the, the wonderful women, men and children of the greater San Francisco area. Yeah. So I grab my coins, I grab a couple of nickels and a bent quarter and I stick it into the meter and I run back up and the fireworks are going off and, uh, game's over. The game's over. Game seven's over. So, uh, Horatio thinking about if you could go back to before this game started, uh, what do you think you would do to prevent this from happening again? How would you prepare yourself to avoid this, this, this tragedy at the end of game seven here? Your loss, historic collapse to the golden state warriors here in game seven of the NBA finals. Mr. Freelander, uh, Mason, that's, that's a great question. Uh, can, I, can, 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 I, can, I, can I just call you Freelander? Sarah? Absolutely. All right. Yeah. Freelander. Whatever you want, man, child. Uh, there is, uh, you know, I think there's a lesson to be learned here, you know? Hmm. Um, I think there's always a good lesson, right? And, and I think as you get older in the league, and you know, as I'm going to take this on as I get older in the league, I'm going to recognize you got to be aware of how many timeouts you have left. Mm. And to, you know, going through this now, I'm going to say, you know, I better say one time out because if I run out of, if I run out of minutes on my meter, I better, I better have this time out so we don't get called. Mm. And, and that's the lesson I take from this. Well said, Mr. Manchild. Uh, we've seen on Twitter that it's been trending that uh, uh, some fans have put together a fund to buy you actually an Uber gift card <laughs> for next year. Uber Oh my God. Uber gift card. That, 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 that means a lot. Blackout. <laughs> oh my gosh. What an elaborate story you, you put together. There. I loved it. That was, I, I can't even imagine if that actually happened. Like that player would get eaten alive. Yeah. This, uh, that press box was pretty nice to a uh, Horatio. There. But, uh, you, you shouldn't be escaping. there. <laughs> like, I, how do you not get cut after pulling a stunt like that? <laughs> All right. I, thank you, Naveen. That was quite a treat. Uh, we got one more game that we're going to be playing tonight. And uh, this game, uh, fun story, you and I are actually both running for president. Oh. Uh, which is pretty exciting. Um, yeah, we're both running for president. And uh, we're here at a debate tonight. And we're debating a very hot topic that's sweeping the streets of America. And the topic that we're debating is, should... All public restrooms have the vacant occupied locks on them. And uh, I'm going to let you pick before we begin our scene. Would you like to be for or against this proposition? Uh, I'm going to be against. Against. Yeah. All right. Here we go. 
Now, my opponent, Reginald Fortitude Horatio III. Your future president. Well, now, hold on now. He'll tell you that we need signature all over the front of our public restroom. That is a fact. Where I'm from, small town Savannah, Georgia, we know when the toilet's being used. There's fumage. There's sounds. Use all five your senses to figure out, is there someone or is there not inside the bathroom? You don't need them words. If them words there, Christ, you weren't raised right. Now, Mr. Horatio Reginald III comes from a deep-pocketed lobby that the I Bathroom do. Doors Makers of Des Moines, Iowa. I do. Now, he tells you that he ain't being turned by thems to make your laws and make every single tax-paying restaurateur on Main Street, not Wall Street. Mm. Should have to replace all them doors with his doors. I do believe that. From the door company, First Doors, Inc. United of Des Moines, Iowa. Well... I am appalled by your answer to this question thus far and your position on this issue that shouldn't really be an issue at all, but a matter of fact. And uh, you see here, ladies and gentlemen of the United States of America, my fellow Americans, that uh, this man right here, Cletus Johnson, wants you to have mysterious bathrooms every time you approach them. And I want to explain why I own shares in the, uh, in the door company. Because, my fellow Americans, and I, I say this to every man, woman, and child, that when I was a young lad, I uh, visited a raw stress for less with my mother, you know, working class family, blue collar. And uh, at that raw stress for less, I found myself having to use the facilities. So me, a young, young boy at 10, I walk up to them facilities, I knock on that door, I don't hear nothing. That door opens right up, and there I see, still to this day, burning to my brain, uh, 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 an older woman, mid-business, taking, taking care of things. I don't want to list any numbers, but one and two were included in that. Well, and frankly, I say no man, woman, or child should have to be exposed to seeing one of your fellow Americans mid-business. That ain't right. And you know, while we do deserve freedom in this country, we also deserve a right to privacy and a right to do your business safely. So while I would do... While I may have other interests in this field, I, I have shares in the door company because I believe the door company can make a greater change for this nation. What do you have to say to that, Cletus? Don't, don't applaud him. You do not applaud him. Fine. Get it out of your system. All right, good, good. No, no hollering. You don't need to throw them bras on the stage. What is this? There used to be dignification to Congress. Now you come out here with your grandstanding. Now, what she's not going to tell you, what Horatio Reginald III ain't going to tell you, you know where them first United doors are made? They say Des Moines, Iowa. They're made in Des Moines. But how do we know they ain't coming from China? Yeah, you ooh and you ah. Yeah, that's what he won't tell you. That's a wild accusation, Cletus. But these occupados are coming from China. Now, Cletus... 
I'm not one to be pointing fingers, but seems like to me you like a little mystery in your restroom. And that tells me that you and your folk are kind of perverts. I think you're hoping to see someone in there. That's why you don't want that lock. You're hoping you can you can stroll right in and see someone mid-business. And frankly, you know, in this nation built on good Christian family values, we shouldn't see one another pooping. Well, now, them accusations are false, all right? I was just in the restroom to get myself a shave, and yes, I might have seen things I didn't mean to see, but that ain't mean I want a door with an occupado or a vacado on there from China. Blackout. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't. I set you up for that I one. don't know that either of us belong to any political party. We no. were both all over the spectrum there, which is what makes which it interesting. Which makes it more fun, you know? Yeah, yeah. I've. See, I've always had this idea in my head of like a practical politician, and that's an issue for me that seems like very practical. But I was like, well, what if two guys were just debating it? So, so thanks, for, thanks for getting out there with me. Oh, totally. <laughs> well, you know, I was like, man, I think going for would be a lot easier, but going against would be more, would be funnier. Oh, yeah, it's more challenging for sure. It would be funnier. It would be, yeah. be funnier. be like, well, who the hell thinks you shouldn't have an yeah. occupied sign on the door? Like yeah. everyone believes there should be an occupied sign on every single one of them. Yeah. Yeah, because one of my biggest hatreds in life is when the occupied sign doesn't work. Oh yeah, nightmare, nightmare scenario. Yeah. You don't want to be the one to walk in on someone else. You already have enough shame doing your business in a public restaurant. Yeah. Why would you want the shame added to someone just jiggling and pushing? Oh no way! That you know just makes you nervous in that scenario. No, I'm. I there think you made a like, bold choice. They I should like it. electrify the door. If someone tries to like <laughs> jiggle it, like the sign says occupy. So if yeah. you start jiggling it, you should get a little shock. Oh, that's the worst kind of person. When it yeah. says occupied, someone's like, well, could be wrong. Like, yeah. no. It's, no. <laughs> like this is a, f- I need all my lack of stress to let the business yeah. go down. Yeah. I don't need you shaking the door. That's why I'm in this private restroom with yeah. this locked door <laughs> because I know it's just going to be me in here. I'm already trying to pretend that no one else has been or will be here. So please <laughs> yeah. do not shake this illusion for me. <laughs> yeah. Like that. My cheeks haven't shared the seat with thousands of other cheeks. It is brand new. Like yep. this is the first time it's a brand new toilet. Yeah. It's me and only me <laughs> at an intimate Straight relationship. Home Depot to here. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Well, well said, Naveen. Um, so before we close out for tonight, are there any final words you want to leave us with, whether about public restrooms or so many of the other things we've touched oh, on? Man, this I evening. have so many strong feelings about public restrooms. Absolutely. Man. I do too, but yeah. they're an interesting place <laughs> and you know, uh, maybe where politics are headed next. <laughs> <laughs> well said. That's yeah. a fun word. Yeah. I think we should end on that one. Yeah. <laughs> next time, next time. All right. Well, Naveen, Thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. It has been a pleasure talking basketball, talking Hinduism, talking improv, and so many other things. Uh, as always, if you enjoy listening to Improv for the Podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Check us out on social media. We're on YouTube, Twitter, TikTok. And uh, if you enjoy the show, we'd love to hear a review from you on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And we started so high. We were like on Hinduism, oh, philosophy, yeah. great improv theory. And then we just started about talking about low. public restrooms. Low. Like, man, oh. we, we really need to like shift this. Like start like, you know, real lowbrow and work yeah, up to like way, high yeah. philosophy. Yeah, yeah. As Matt always said, play to the top of your intelligence. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, everyone, for watching. We'll see you next time. Improv for the podcast was created by Matt Moore and Michael Lee Evans. Edited and produced by Michael Lee Evans. And finally, presented by Improv for the People. Interested in more IFTP? You can visit us at improvforthepeople.com or on our socials, such as Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube.
Remember, new episodes are released weekly. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.